Welcome to the Healing Embodied Podcast, where we have real and raw conversations about growth and healing that will shift your perspective in profound ways. We take a unique approach to healing the overthinking mind, creating conscious relationships, and living a life of courage and freedom. So take a deep breath and get ready to expand your mind, connect to your body, and activate your spirit. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Healing Embodied Podcast. This is your host, Chelsea Horton. And today I have a guest and we're going to be talking about all things the nervous system. So I have nervous system coach, expert, dear friend of mine. Uh, We've co-taught some awesome workshops together. I have Lindsay Lockett. Hello. I'm so glad to be here. (laughs) Finally, <laughs> finally. Oh my gosh. It's 11, 11 on my time. It's meant to be the universe is supporting us. Oh, stop. And I've been on your podcast now, like what? Three Twice, times? two or three times. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, for those who are listening, Lindsay has a podcast called holistic trauma healing, Yeah. right? That's the holistic trauma healing podcast. Or yeah. It's just like I don't know if there's a the or not. I don't think so. I guess no, if, it's people, not. if people were like, what's the name of your podcast? I would say holistic trauma healing. Okay. But if I'm like talking about it on Instagram, I'm like, go listen to my podcast, the holistic trauma healing podcast or something. I don't really know what the name of my podcast is. I don't think there is a the. <laughs> I don't think there is either. <laughs> but what's the name of my podcast? What do I call this thing again? I've never so, thought about if there's a the or not. That's so funny. I, I think I'm thinking of the little graphic of your podcast and I don't remember seeing the word the. There is not a the there. And it also does not have the word podcast on it. It just yeah. says. I think mine thing. actually does have the healing embodied podcast. Like I think wow. mine has. A, yeah, I know. <laughs> Be intimidated. I am. I love it. This is going to be half the episode is us just being goofy. Um, So tell the listeners out there a little bit about what you do, who you are, all that jazz. Yeah. Thank you. Um, So I, I call myself a nervous system educator and a, and a trauma coach. Um, I don't think either one of those are like official terms. I don't have like certifications and letters behind my name and all that. Um, it's just, I went through my own dark night of the soul and uh, attempted suicide, checked myself into the psych hospital and like kind of woke up and realized that I had been trying to out diet and out supplement what were really the symptoms of a dysregulated nervous system and an inflamed brain. And um I, I am a projector in human design. And so research is something that I love doing. I love taking a topic that is interesting to me and just like going all the way down the rabbit hole. And so that's what I did. And I first started learning about the limbic system and tried some like limbic retraining programs like DNRS and, um, didn't I like, I love the information, but the actual practice of it, I did not find sustainable. Um, and I also didn't really feel like it was helping my two biggest 
symptoms of dysregulation, which was really crazy anxiety and insomnia, but I'm grateful for the information. And I know about the limbic system, but that led me down the rabbit hole of the nervous system. And then that led me down the rabbit hole of brain inflammation. And so I just gobbled up information and it made so much sense. It resonated so much. And so I started practicing it on my own, learning on my own and the, the chronic and mysterious health things that I had been trying to out diet and out supplement for all those years for like a decade, literally just started resolving. And I wasn't like restricting gluten and dairy and sugar and grains. And I wasn't taking $400 of supplements a month. And I wasn't going to the naturopath all the time or the doctor. Um, I was able to get off my prescription psychiatric medications, um, sleep on my own, I haven't had a panic attack in forever at this point. I can't even remember. Um, anxiety is like no longer a part of my daily existence. It's like, it's like, I feel anxiety when it's appropriate to feel anxiety. Like my nervous system responds appropriately, <laughs> um, which, you know, I think people who are new to this and certainly I probably had this belief going into this is like, if I just learn all these tools, then I will get to a point where I don't get dysregulated anymore. And that's not true. <laughs> like dysregulation is actually, uh, something that a healthy nervous system does. And, uh, so I try to help people learn tools for how to regulate their nervous systems, have awareness for what's going on in their bodies, reconnect to their bodies, throw in some brain healing along the way change their lifestyles to support a healthy and mostly regulated nervous system, and then like feel. And we titrate that, as you know, like expose and titrate and come back to safety, expose, titrate, come back to safety. Um, and so I think in the beginning, it is really important for people to have nervous system regulating tools. Like we need to know how to calm ourselves down. We need to know how to meet ourselves in a moment of panic and anxiety, or when we catch ourselves like in, you know, slow and depressed and all of that, like we need to know how to meet ourselves in that. Um, but sometimes people are just like, oh, I just need tools. Just give me all these tools. I just want tools. That's the answer. And I'm like, yes. And <laughs> there comes a point where maybe you don't actually need a tool all the time. And like finding that balance is going to be individual for each person. And so I love helping people find that balance of, okay, now I have a toolbox full of nervous system tools and I'm practicing awareness and this is all becoming familiar. And now maybe I'm ready to start feeling some of the things I was avoiding before. Now, maybe I'm ready to be a little bit uncomfortable because I trust in the work that I've done. And I trust that I have a toolbox full of tools and I can be uncomfortable. And at any moment I have the agency to say, okay, I'm done being uncomfortable. I'm ready to use a tool. Um, so yeah, I I'm passionate about the nervous system and educating people about that because I just feel like it brings so much neutrality to a lot of the things that we judge so much. And like, you know, people will judge themselves or they'll judge others for, the way that they react when they get triggered, for example, like they, they fly off the handle or they like panic or whatever. And when you understand what's actually happening in your body on a physiological level, you can't really argue with it and you can't really judge it, you know? So you're no, you're not a bad person. You're not a weak person. You're a person whose body thinks that the thing that's happening right now in the present is actually a reminder of what's happening in the past. 
And because of the way our nervous systems and our brains work, they don't know time, (laughs) right? Like our amygdala does not know that it's not 2004 anymore (laughs) and that we're not actually still in a toxic relationship, right? So when our current partner does something that triggers that, our body and our brains are like, oh my God, it's 2004 still, (laughs) right? And you're like, but when you have awareness and you know how to meet yourself in that, then you can actually remind yourself, no, actually it's not 2004. It's actually 2023 and actually everything's okay. And um, so, yeah, I just, I think it gives people like, mm, it helps people know that they can handle things that they didn't think they could handle before. And like, I think that that is the ultimate that's my goal for healing. Like healing is not absence of pain, absence of discomfort, absence of symptoms, absence of whatever. That's not healing. Healing is no matter what I feel or experience, I know I can be okay. Um, so yeah, I'll stop there. Cause I've been talking a long time. <laughs> I'm like doing lots of nods and like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know dude, I feel like I'm like preaching a sermon and like a uh, concert, like a, a, an evangelical, like, um, non-denominational church. I some whenever I get on these riffs, like you know, you were riffing. I'm like, what if? Okay, here we go. I'm like, Do if it. I was a preacher today, <laughs> this is I would just be talking about this. Like, what if church was just talking about this stuff? You know? Oh, okay, yeah. but um, so I I love that definition of healing first of all because I have a lot of clients who also are like, okay, how do I get rid of? Mm-hmm. How do I get rid of? And then they think, okay, I'm learning the the self-regulation tool. My anxiety is feeling less intense. I'm able to be, to like regulate myself when I feel anxious. I'm able to use my body. And then they'll kind of whip themselves when they have a quote unquote relapse and they're anxious again. And it's like, ah, da, 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 da. healing doesn't mean we never feel anxious again. Healing doesn't mean we stop being human. I'm like the goal of healing isn't to become a robot and to stop feeling uncomfortable emotions or emotions that you've labeled or judged as bad, it's widening that capacity, that window of tolerance to be with the full range of your human experience. And so I think it's absolutely essential to have nervous system tools because we need to learn how to like bring our baseline, especially those of anxiety, bring the baseline down Yeah. You know, if you're always at a level 10 and every time you get triggered, you go all the way to a 10 nervous system regulation helps you to bring that baseline down and kind of retrain your nervous system to like not go from a zero to a 10. Or when you do feel yourself going to a 10, you know how to kind of regulate it so that you can stay somewhat grounded. Like that's, we need that. I think that's very kind and compassionate to, for us to be able to do that for our own bodies and not to be like, I'm at a level 10 and I'm here to just sit with it. No, no, we need like, it's very kind to soothe and regulate ourselves when we're feeling extreme, intense dysregulation Mm -hmm. and, and we don't want to use those things as a way to escape discomfort every single time. Right. Right. So I want to give people, you want to give people tools to meet themselves in whatever moment they find themselves in for sure. And you're right. That is the kind and loving thing to do. Um, but the goal of nervous system regulation and tools is not every time I feel an uncomfortable feeling, oh my God, I need a tool. Like, because 
then you're never allowing yourself to feel anything uncomfortable. So then you're not actually widening your window of tolerance to discomfort if you never let yourself feel discomfort. So in the beginning of working with a client, like I have a program called nervous system hygiene. It's, it's literally all about like, here's, here's a toolbox, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's what it is. And it's about creating a daily practice for yourself when you're regulated. It's, it's like how people do their morning meditation or their morning yoga. That could be nervous system hygiene too. Like literally anything that gets you in your body, slows you down, gets you present is nervous system hygiene, whatever that is. So I want people to have those tools because they usually haven't ever had them before. And they make such a big difference. They really do make a big difference. And they're really empowering when a person's in a panic attack and like, they don't have to pop a Xanax, but instead they're like, I like breathed my way out of that. And oh my gosh, like it's really, really fucking empowering. At the same time though, when I'm working with someone, yes, I want them to have a toolbox of tools, but at some point I am going to push and challenge them to be like, okay, do you need a tool right now? Or can we sit with this for just a minute? Because they're not at a level 10, right? If someone's at a level 10, I'm like, okay, we're going to stop and we're going to do whatever it takes to bring you back down. But I want to, to people to get to the point where they're not avoiding discomfort all the time. And sometimes, and I have caught myself in this. So I was doing a couples intensive with my husband. It was like a private thing for he and I to do some relationship work. And, um, we were doing like psychosomatic release and I felt myself, like I felt a lot of uncomfortable emotions coming up and it was like, I was standing on the edge of a cliff and I could feel the emotions there. And they're like the cliff and my body wanted to just fall and like be in it, right? Like fully just jump off the cliff and whatever this emotion was going to be and however I was going to experience it, I wanted to experience it all like consciously. But I've gotten so damn good at regulating my nervous system that here I am on the edge of this cliff, like needing to have this psychosomatic release that I know is going to be uncomfortable. And my nervous system hygiene automatically took over. So I'm like calming myself with breathing. And then I'm trying to like talk myself out of it because it's like, no, I actually want to feel this. I want to, I need to. Um, And so I don't know, it was, it was a good little spank for me to have that moment because I know that my clients and students deal with that too, where sometimes you do get so good at something, it becomes automatic and, um, I do think that there is too much of a good thing. Like the, the nervous system hygiene tools can be, they're great medicine, but sometimes there's such a thing as too much medicine and knowing how to administer the medicine in the correct dose becomes like something that each person has to individually figure out on their own. But if they're not willing to, to feel the range, right? Like to feel what it feels like to be completely safe. Nothing is happening. I know how to regulate myself. It's all good. But then the range of like, I can still feel these uncomfortable things and be okay, right? Like that's the range. And each person is going to take time to find what their range is. And I'm currently like in the process myself of like, my intention is inviting in more pleasure. Well, most people think, oh, great pleasure. Like, like that's good for your nervous system. And it is unless it's fucking unfamiliar (laughs) or unless that pleasure involves like 
someone else watching and then you're at the edge, right? And it's like on paper, everything is air quotes, good and fine and safe. But something in your body is like, oh, like I'm holding on for dear life. This doesn't feel safe, you know? Um, so that's like pushing that edge, knowing I have a toolbox to bring myself back to safety any moment that I choose. I have that agency and that sovereignty. Something else that's really important for people to grasp, right? Is like their own choice to whether they want to be uncomfortable or not. Because sometimes we can choose. Like, like I love cold plunges um, for this reason, because not because of the like scientific benefits that cold plunges have for the body, which are amazing. Like they can improve your sleep, reduce inflammation, increase your metabolism. Like they have great benefits for the body itself. But I love cold plunges because it's an opportunity for an adult to use their agency to choose to be in an uncomfortable situation and to choose when they're want, when they want to be done. And that is something that none of us had as children. Um, when, when our parent, when we were with our parents, we needed them for survival. We couldn't use our fight response and like fight our parents away. And we couldn't run away because we needed them for survival. So that agency of, I get to choose when I'm in this uncomfortable thing and I get to choose when I'm not didn't exist. And it's really, really empowering and necessary for people to be able to find some way, if it's not cold plunges, fine, but find some way of knowing that you can choose to be in discomfort and you can choose when you're done. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I love that. And like, as you're talking, I'm like, oh, 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 like so many things are, are coming up because a lot of people, you were saying like, you have to find that range for yourself. You like you have to do that exploration because a lot of people will ask me and my team like, okay, so when I'm anxious, like what are the steps? What do I need to do? What or do like, I do? When, <laughs> when do I use a tool here? When like, okay, when do I choose to sit in discomfort? Yeah. When do I, when do I like, as if there's like a set formula and, and that's why, you know, I will always say like Instagram can't teach you how to do this stuff. Nope this is such an experiential exploration and it's an ongoing relationship that you're building with your own body of like feeling into listening, spending time with, right? Like, just like you would with a person you want to get to know, like you have to put in the time, the effort, the intention, the energy to get to know your own body, your own capacity so that you can get to that place where you have the awareness and the trust and the discernment to say, I'm choosing discomfort or I'm choosing to regulate. This is a moment where I want to use a tool. This is a moment where I want to just sit with the, the emotion. This is where I yeah. want to feel it. This is where I want to soothe myself. Yeah. And I love that, that you use cold plunges as an example of that. I've actually never like explicitly thought of it that way of like an adult getting to have that agency of I'm choosing discomfort and I get to choose when to step out of it. Yeah. Um, I think that's so powerful. And it's so interesting because Sarah uses this analogy of like learning to work with your emotions is like learning to, to, um, learning to swim. Yeah. So it's like, okay, you can learn all the techniques of paddling and froggy and all the, I don't know any swimming techniques actually. Now that <laughs> you can like, you know, learn the things you can learn to hold your breath, yep. but if you're never actually getting in the water, you're not swimming. But if you just dive into the deep end of a pool and you've never actually learned the techniques of how to swim or hold your breath, you're going to drown. And so it's like, we don't want to just sit 
in the discomfort, AKA just jump in the water. You're going to drown. You're probably going to re-traumatize yourself and you can learn all the nervous system tools, but if you never actually get in the water, AKA be in the feelings, you're not actually learning how to swim. So we do, we need both. We need to be able to be in the water, be in the discomfort, be in our, in the emotional experience. And we need those tools. We need those, um, techniques to learn. What do I do when I'm in the water? What do I do when I'm in my body? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm working on a new uh, group program right now. It's, I don't know, maybe 50% done. Um, and one of the modules in it is about facing triggers and like, whether we're in avoidance of that or not. And I think people don't understand that like, sure, there's like big things that are triggering, like, you know, graphic violence or like animal abuse, like that's pretty universally triggering, right? Like, um, but we all individually have like different things that trigger us that don't exist for other people, right? Like, so, so as a silly example, sometimes on Instagram, when I'm creating my feed posts, I like to use capital letters to emphasize certain words, right? Like an important word. And I've had people literally leaving me comments being like, your use of capital letters is really triggering to me. I think you're yelling at me. And I almost never like do an entire slide in capital letters anymore. But if you scroll back to the beginning of when I started my account, it was all capital letters. Like that was the style I chose. And nobody was ever like, you're triggering and dysregulating me. But now I will like highlight one word as a capital letter. And people are like, you're yelling. And I'm like, okay, but actually read it out loud. Am I like yell on the words that are capitalized and then don't yell. No one talks like that. (laughs) It's a stylistic choice. I'm using it for emphasis, like not yelling at you. So literally anything has the potential to be a trigger, right? So the answer is not unfollowing everyone who uses capital letters in their feed posts because that's so triggering to you. The answer is, well, why am I so triggered by capital letters? So it's taking that moment to pause and ask myself, I wonder why this is, right? So then you can start getting some clarity on the judgments that you have about capital letters and like what that means to you and why is that there? And is that something you're willing to let go of, right? It's like going into that rabbit hole of curiosity about your own like psyche. Um, But like if we're going to heal triggers, we have to face triggers. And so sometimes facing a trigger feels like, "Mm -mm, nope, nope, I can't do that. I can't do that. So in this module that I'm writing, I'm giving people uh, a a collection of tools that I call nervous system CPR. So it's like when you're in your, oh shit, nervous system moments, (laughs) it's like, here's something that will work fast. It's effective. Like almost every time. Um, But then I also want to challenge people to choose an intentional stressor. So maybe that's cold plunge, maybe that's being in a hot sauna, maybe that's um, doing breath work where you're holding your breath for certain periods of time. Um, Like maybe it's, uh, I have an acupressure mat and like that is one of the ways that I choose discomfort sometimes is like my relationship with pain and like this acupressure mat can be really painful. So I'm inviting people to choose something that is an intentional stressor and start to play with that first to show themselves, well, look, I can be in this uncomfortable, like I can be in this 50 degree water and be okay. Or I can be on this really pokey acupressure mat and be okay. Or in this really hot sauna and be okay. Um, 
And that starts to widen their window of tolerance just to discomfort in general. And then we can move into facing a trigger because now they've already shown themselves. I can be in this discomfort and be okay. It's an intentional stressor. We have to intentionally stress out the nervous system. If we're going to build resiliency in the nervous system, we are not meant to be regulated and within our windows of tolerance all the time. Like our comfort zones are lovely places, but no growth happens there. Right. So, um, once we have that like intentional stressor and we're using our agency to choose, and then if we do get really overwhelmed, we have a tool we can reach for if we need it, but then we're like building that self-trust because I think ultimately the avoidance of triggers, it has nothing to do with, with the trigger itself. It has everything to do with, I don't trust myself to handle this. I don't trust that I can feel this and be okay. I don't trust that I can see this person and be okay. So it really like intentionally stressing out your body and being okay and coming back to safety builds that trust with yourself. So like, it's not about avoiding triggers forever or avoiding uncomfortable feelings forever. It's about choosing when you're going to be uncomfortable and building that trust within yourself that says, oh, like, hey, look what I just did. Like, look, I was just in this like 50 degree water for five minutes and like, yeah, I'm cold and it was uncomfortable, but I'm okay. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what you're describing, a couple of things are coming up for me. First of all, you're talking about nervous system flexibility, right? Like yep, the ability to, to go to the edge and come back and go to the edge and come back and not just, you know, we can be dysregulated and bring ourselves back. And I, I like to use the analogy of like weight training for this stuff because, you know, I have a lot of clients like, I just got so triggered and my, my anxiety was so high in the situation. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's you trying to lift a hundred pounds. Yeah. You know, like let's start with the smaller stuff and what you're talking about, like, okay, intentionally being in cold water and, you know, laying on an acupressure mat, that's like a small weight, like building the capacity. Okay. I can be with this discomfort. I can be safe here. Yes. I can sit with this. And then we can kind of pick up a, a heavier weight or, you know, face a little, little bit of a more uncomfortable situation. And then we're building that trust in our bodies and our ability to be with the discomfort. We're trying, we're building that muscle, the self-trust muscle, the the nervous system, uh, flexibility, the we're widening that window to where the things that used to trigger us so much no longer have that emotional charge. Like we've built the capacity to lift those hundred pound weights. Yeah. Because we've, we've worked up to it. We've practiced, we've slowly widened and I'm never going to suggest to a client, okay, jump in the deep end of water without knowing how to swim, right? Like we have to build up to that place where we can face a bigger trigger yeah, and it doesn't have the same impact that it once did. Yes. And I like, I can't have this conversation without speaking to how much, uh, we are culturally conditioned to identify with our pain and how we avoid it. Um, and so for some people, they will have massive, massive resistance to this because there is some identification with, or feeling validated by the trigger that they have or the discomfort that they have. And that like, like, who are you to expect me that I I could face this? Like someone like me can't face something like this, you know? And, and we use like labels and stuff 
um, just to pull one out of thin air. I'm not picking on anyone like this, but I see this happening a lot with people who are like neurodivergent. They're like, well, who are you to expect a neurodivergent people person like me to be able to handle something like this? You know? And it's like, I don't know what your range is, but like, let's try, <laughs> right? Let's just see what happens. And, and if you're truly not able to fine, but I think a, a lot of people assume that because they have this diagnosis or this label or this identity or whatever, that that automatically means I can't, or shouldn't be expected to do these things. Mm. And I think that people sell themselves short. And again, it comes back to like, you really just don't trust yourself to be able to handle that. Right. Like you could, but you don't. So totally off the wall example. Like I don't ever see myself like skydiving. Okay. That's way the fuck outside my window of tolerance, right? Like it's a hell no. And it's not because I have like skydiving trauma, right? It's just like, it's a fuck no for me to do that. But people who do skydive, like they wouldn't be able to do that if they didn't have some kind of trust that that parachute is going to deploy when they pull the cord, right? I don't trust that the parachute's going to deploy when I pull the cord. My story is, yeah, everyone else's parachute works and I'm the one person <laughs> whose parachute doesn't work, right? You too. Okay. Like that, that's me. Or I don't like roller coasters for the same reason. I'm like, yep, that roller coaster was safe for a hundred rides before, but I'll get on it and I'll be damned if the thing doesn't get stuck upside down, you know? Um, which I probably have my own shit to like work on with that. But yeah, I just think that like, it's okay to have things that you never want to do, even if they're scary, like that's fine. But if it's, it's not holding my life back to refuse to go skydiving, right? Like I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything. I would feel like I was missing out on a lot if I didn't widen my window of tolerance to experiencing pleasure, you know, like that would hold me back in my life. So I mean, the other thing that we could talk about is like, what's the difference between avoiding a trigger and having healthy boundaries, you know, as like, like a lot of people, like the trauma brain tends to jump to the most extreme conclusion. Right. So like, I remember one time being like, um, you know, talking about like, like forgiveness and moving on from like the people that have hurt you and, and, um, and stuff like that. And someone was like, so what you're saying is I should just like have coffee with my rapist. And I was like, nah, bitch, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> like, nope, that you missed it. Right. Like, uh, so, so healing, healing from something that is really dysregulating to you doesn't mean that you have to go back and face that exact same person or that right. exact same situation. Right. Like it doesn't mean have coffee with your rapist. It doesn't mean like have a close intimate relationship with a parent who is abusive. Like it doesn't mean that. But the trauma brain is like, you know, it's my least favorite phrase on the internet. So what you're saying is, and it's like, no, you're totally taking out of context what I'm actually saying. Like we can heal from the trigger without allowing the person who hurt us to have access to us. Yes. Right. So like if that person may always be outside your window of tolerance that like your rapist isn't supposed to be inside your window of tolerance ever. That doesn't mean that you're in avoidance. You have a healthy boundary that like, no, this person who hurt me isn't allowed in my life, but I can still face what happened to me and like work through that because I don't know about you, but I work with several people that I'm working with right now have big, big grief, big, like one of my clients has lost a parent years ago and still won't grieve about it. 
And they're afraid if I do, I'm going to lose my connection to my mother. Or if I do, I'm going to get into that grief and I won't be able to get out. Like, that's what they think. And that's not the truth, right? Like we know that's not the truth. You and I do, but their truth is that they don't know that that's not real. They really do think they're going to get into that grief and they're going to drown in it. And so we have to titrate, right? Like, okay, can we experience a little bit of grief and then come back to safety, right? Same as you were saying with like the pool, lifting the weights, like all the metaphors work. Um, but I just, I don't know. I just can't hammer it home enough that yes, have a toolbox of tools and give yourself more credit than you're giving yourself because you actually can face things that you don't think you can. Maybe you can't today, but you can eventually. Yeah. And going back to the, like facing the triggers versus like healthy boundaries, it's, it's reminding me of like my religious trauma experience. Like I had to face all the stuff that was coming up because of that religious trauma experience and like work through the things that would trigger me. Like, um, you know, people posting about, you know, um, you know, God, I'm following God's perfect path or whatever, you know, like whatever the triggers were, there's a lot, but I, I had to work through my own body's reaction to seeing people say those things, post about those things, like the shame that was a result of that trauma the um like intense physiological reactions to certain music yeah uh, like worship music things like that um hearing certain like scriptures like i had an intense physiological reaction and i had to work through that so that my daily functioning my life wasn't impacted like you were saying before yes skydiving is not going to impact your day-to-day life but a trigger like someone saying a certain word or bringing up a certain thing like you're going to run into that so i had to work through that yeah. But that does not ever, ever mean I'm going to be friends with the pastor that abused me. Right. Fuck nope. no, you can stay your ass in jail. Yeah. And I never want to see your face again. Yeah. So that's like, that's just like, I wanted to give more of a, a picture of like what that looks like of healing the triggers, being with the discomfort, facing the pain of what happened mm-hmm. without needing to let the person who did that to you back into your life or like I have like a part of me has compassion for this person because I know how much pain he had to be in to do the things he did yeah and part of me is like yeah you can go fuck yourself and rot in jail like 100 percent. I feel that way about him too and I don't even know him (laughs) yeah yeah. like yeah 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 um that's so interesting um about like you're saying that like worship music triggered you. Um, and I'm only saying that's interesting because I think for the people listening, it can illustrate how people can be in very similar situations and what's triggering to one may not be yes. triggering to another, what's dysregulating to one. So I went through the same thing. We were both raised in evangelical, you know, Christianity and, and did the whole purity culture, body shame, modesty. Um, we're going to hell if we disappoint Jesus and all that. Um, and I just like, didn't have anything to do with anything with Christianity for several years. Um, and then one day I just like found myself being like, I really want to listen to some worship music. Like, I wonder what that would be like. And so I like put it on and it didn't carry the same meaning for me that it used to, but it was really It was nice to hear it because it was familiar. And I was like surprised of how much I still remembered it. And it, 
it reminded me of like, not all of my church experience was bad. Yeah. Right. And it's so easy to be like, Oh, the fucking church. And like, I hate mm-hmm. it. And I hate everything about it. And I went through that phase for a while. And I think it's okay for people to go through a phase yes. where like the pendulum swings in the opposite direction. And they're like, I don't want anything to do with this. Yeah. But then it's like, do that, honor that. But at a certain point, if that curiosity is there, like follow it and see what happens mm-hmm. because it may, you may be able to face something and it may not actually be a big deal, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's really helpful for me to remind myself that like, not all of my religious experience was bad. Oh yeah. Some of my closest friends that still to this day are from church. Yeah. Like that. I got so many lifelong friends from that experience. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there was, I mean, I'm not going to ever go back to church. Oh, fuck. No, me neither. <laughs> I mean, I, even, even that never say never. Right. But like, I'm not. I'm not interested in reintegrating that part of the experience, no. but friendships, even just, you know, connection to the divine is something that I, that has stayed with me. Yeah. Uh, and that's and something evolved. that I like, I thought like for about five minutes, I was like, maybe I'm an atheist. Mm-hmm. And because my pendulum was swinging, right? Yeah. Like everything about the church was so dysregulating. I wanted nothing to do with it, including having my own like spiritual, like relationship with myself, right. Or God or whatever the higher power is. And, um, I think where this story is going is just basically that, like, I think sometimes people, we don't give ourselves enough time, Hmm. right? Like we don't give ourselves enough time. And what I want people to understand is that nervous system work, no matter what your trauma is, whether it's religious or sexual or childhood or whatever, like no matter what your trauma is, there's no, set of tools or one coach or therapist or whatever, that's like going to snap their fingers and, and boom, you're like better because yeah. it takes time for that programming to come out of your body. And it takes time for you to identify the voices in your head. And it takes time to identify how you unconsciously respond or react to certain stressors. Like it takes time. And so many people are just like, they're not willing to give it the time and they give it a few weeks and they're like, well, that didn't work. Like, you know, and it's like, no, dude, I'm like four years into this and I'm still like, it's going to take time, right? Like there's still more because you just uncover deeper and deeper layers of yourself that you didn't even recognize were there, but you couldn't have gotten to those deeper layers if you hadn't gotten to the layers that were above it. Right. So like, it's, it's not a chore. It's, it's the most amazing journey of like self-discovery and, and into your own inner world. And you find out that you really are made of like so much love and strength that you never gave yourself credit for, because maybe, maybe nobody ever told you how full of love and strength you were. Right. So it's a beautiful unfolding. It really is an unfolding. And I love the nervous system stuff because it, I also find, I'm curious if this is the case for you too, but it's like, we heal in layers because I believe our nervous systems like hold on to things in layers. And it's like, if you don't, if you don't fully process that first layer, the nervous system doesn't feel safe to show you the next layer. Does that make sense? Do you experience I was that literally <laughs> saying this to my group program two days ago. Oh like, my God. <laughs> literally, I'm like, 
we have to honor our body's timing because our ner- our bodies are so wise. They know what you can handle. They know when it's time to reveal something. They know when it's safe. They know what version of you they feel safest to reveal a particular pain to. Chills all and over. <laughs> you are always evolving and growing and deepening in your wisdom. And actually, the more capacity you have to feel discomfort, the more pain is going to come up because yeah. that layer finally feels that pain finally feels safe with you to be revealed. Yeah. Because a lot of my clients go, "Am I doing something wrong? Am I am I back at square one?" It's like, "Oh no no no, honey. No. You have just become the version of yourself that is capable enough and resourced enough to handle that pain. Yeah. The version of you even six months ago couldn't handle that pain. So see it as a compliment yeah. from yeah. your system." That it says, I trust you enough to show you this really icky, heavy pain. Yeah. Oh, I love that compliment from your system. I love that. Yeah. Crazy. We're on the same wavelength. (laughs) Same. I love it. We're like plugged into the same source, whatever that is. We're (laughs) we're plugged into it. (laughs) What I think is that we all observe the same phenomenon. When When we start to build relationship with our body and the wisdom of our body, we all see the same thing. Yeah. Like, and we're all observing the same thing that happens as we do this. It's not like, it's like, yeah, each of our journeys is unique. And at the same time, the same things come up when we build this relationship with our body. Like we're all observing the same phenomenon. Absolutely. I am not making this up. Like I didn't discover this. You didn't discover this. It is just what happens. It's just a phenomena of the human experience. As you build relationship with your body, as you face your triggers, as you widen your window of tolerance, you see these deeper layers come up. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's so freaking beautiful. Um, it, it makes me want to like go off on another like tangent rabbit hole or whatever, um, of like just I feel like some of the things, like I'll use my relationship with my husband as an example. I feel like some of the things that we're working on in our marriage right now are like, and and I don't say this to brag, but I guess I kind of am. It's like most couples don't even get to the point where they're working on the stuff that we're working on because they, they had to leave their relationship a long, a long time ago. Right. And it's, amazing to me how, when I'm well-resourced in myself and David is well-resourced that even these like sticky things that still come up and sometimes they freaking come out of nowhere, right? You're like, where did that come from? I didn't even know this was in my relationship, (laughs) you know, but it's been there all along, but I couldn't see it before because I had a totally different level of awareness. And also because I was in a different state in my own body. And so my filter like my filter was skewed, right? I could only see through that filter. And the more resourced we are in our nervous systems and the more we develop that relationship with ourselves that we face discomfort and come back to safety and face discomfort and come back to safety. And I've been doing this with David for 20 years, facing discomfort and coming back to safety. And it's actually getting fun to be like, you know, yeah, this thing is hard. Yeah, it's, it's icky. I don't like that it's there. But, but shit, like, let's work on it, you know? <laughs> I don't know. Because 
because now I trust myself to be able to handle it versus like, oh my God, I can't, I can't do this. This is such a big problem. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> I love, okay. I love it. And I think this is, you get almost a little bit masochistic or a little kinky. A little bit. The, the more you do this work, because you learn like something incredible is always on the other side of discomfort. Uh-huh. Like you always find this amazing nugget of gold yep. or you love yourself deeper every time you face discomfort. So whenever something does come up, yeah, there is kind of this like weird kinky excitement about it. Like, ooh, like what's coming? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. That's how I felt when we went to that relationship intensive that we did is I was like so excited going into it. And I mean, of course I was excited going into it. It was an incredible experience, but there was also this like nervousness about it because you can feel you're like, Oh, I'm on the precipice of something deeper. Like I'm about to go deeper. Like, um, about to bust. Yeah. (laughs) Like spank me universe. Right. (laughs) Shout out to Carolyn Elliott. Existential thing. Shout out. (laughs) Oh my gosh. This is so great. And we like started talking about like, you don't always need a tool for everything. And now we're like, spank me universe daddy. (laughs) So just a heads up everyone. This is where you get to. (laughs) Right. This is the level of crazy you get to. It's amazing. (laughs) You start finding a weird twisted pleasure in processing your trauma. Yeah. (laughs) But honestly. No, seriously. But honestly, like but yeah. there is, there is a weird pleasure yes. in being with discomfort that you know that you couldn't have been with six months ago, a year ago, five years ago. Right. And you feel like a badass. You're like, oh my God. I can do. Yeah. I just, wow. Like, yeah. I am a goddess and I just alchemized generational trauma through my body. Like it just, yep. you and let's be honest though. Like sometimes what comes up, you're like, Oh shit. (laughs) Like, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to do this. So, you know, and that's fine. Again, like we have agency, right. It's okay for me to see something and be like, Oh shit. Mm -mm, Not today, you know, but, but like my relationship with myself and with the universe. And this is something that working with psychedelics has taught me is like, I actually do have the choice to be like, "Mm, not right now, but it always comes back up again. Mm -hmm. So like, I think that that speaks to sometimes, sometimes at least with people I've worked with when they don't face the thing, like they can feel shame. They're like, I'm never going to get this. Mm. Why did I, I did it again. Right. Like I avoided it again and they really beat themselves up and I'm like, but it's going to come up again. Like yeah, have another chance. Don't worry. You're going to have another chance. Like, don't worry. And you will be more resourced then, or you'll have greater awareness then. And, and it'll be okay. Right. Like, let's just like fucking trust in the timing of the things. And we don't have to force and we don't have to beat ourselves up whenever we have an opportunity and we miss it. Like it'll mm-hmm. always come up again. I don't know. This, this work is just giving me like so much more trust, not only in myself and my own body, but like the way that I see how the universe just like works through things, whether people call that God or source or spirit or universe or consciousness or what, like the way that it works through is it's so beautiful because 
like, I truly believe that the universe wants us to be well. I really do. And like, I do believe the universe has our backs. And so sometimes the way the universe has our backs is like through synchronicities and bringing people into our lives at the moment we need them. And like a program becomes available and we have that exact issue and we know it would be helpful. And like the timing of it works out, or we see 11, 11 on the clock and it's like a wink or whatever, like, yes. But we also need to give the universe credit for like putting the hard things in our path too. And like bringing up relational patterns with our spouse or our partner or whatever, because those are, those things are for our benefit. Also, those things are part of our healing too. And, um, you know, I, like, I definitely am like love and light, like, absolutely. Yes. Love and light. And also like darkness is fucking sexy, you know, yeah. and, and a little bit, go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A little sprinkle that in. <laughs> yeah. But, and you don't always need a tool. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but you probably do need some tools, right? It's so nuanced. <laughs> so nuanced. Even like, even an hour long podcast episode couldn't cover all the complexity and the nuance because again, we're, we're conceptually talking about something that can only be experienced yes. and something that you have to personally experience within your own unique body, your own unique system. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's not something anyone can do for you. It's, no. it's you and your body. Yeah. And I want to speak to like you talking about the embodiment piece, because I don't know, I don't remember when this dropped in like a, a couple years ago, year and a half ago or something, but I had been practicing like nervous system work and it had become automatic. And then I was, awareness had also become automatic. You know, it's like at first awareness is like this weird thing that it's like, how does this work? Like what do you mean? Watch myself, <laughs> like, yeah. right? Like, what do you mean? Um, and so it felt really foreign and unfamiliar. Same with nervous system work. It feels foreign and unfamiliar at first. And for a lot of people, that foreign, unfamiliar feeling is enough to turn them off, right? They're like, no, if it was meant for me, it would be easier. Or if it was meant for me, I wouldn't be anxious about it. Or if it was meant for me, I would understand it better, you know? And I'm sorry, but that's like a trick that the ego uses to like keep you stuck because the ego would rather you stay stuck because that's what feels safe. Even if you're like logically like, but I don't like this. (laughs) I don't want this. The ego's like, yeah, but it's familiar. Yeah. yeah, There's a payoff to it because it's it's safe. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So, um, I totally lost my train of thought. You're saying it would be easy, nervous system work. It feels, Mm -hmm. it got to the point where it felt like second nature. And then some people, they go into it. Oh, this is unfamiliar. Unfamiliar. Mm -hmm. It would be easy. The ego uses that. Yeah. I don't have it. It's okay. Hey, it'll come back up. (laughs) It'll come back up. If it's meant to, it'll come back up. Um, yeah, I really don't remember where that was going, but it'll come back up. I mean, that's, it's a point in itself. It's like, sure. yeah, at first it feels unfamiliar. And sometimes that unfamiliarity we're like, nah, should be yeah. easy. But when the more you practice it, the more it does feel familiar. Yeah. And yeah. So I guess people like understanding that if something feels unfamiliar to you or awkward, or like you don't understand it, I remember where I was going, like, that doesn't mean it's not for you. Because when it comes to, when it comes to this work, like, you know, it's sunk in when you're not just talking about it and you're not just thinking it and you're not just reading about it on social media, but you're actually living it. 
right? Like you're living it. And so don't make a judgment about something if you're not living it yet. Mm. And I know that can be so hard because it's like, it takes a fucking commitment to live it, right? Because there is a difference between intellectual understanding, right? Like I could have all these facts and shit that I spout off about the nervous system and polyvagal theory and awareness and spirituality. Like I can spout off this stuff in my sleep even, but that's not because I know so much in my head. That's because all that knowledge went from my head and I practiced it, that it went into my body. And now it's just like, this is how I live and move in the world now. So, so literally my cells and my tissues are different because that all that stuff that was in my head, that's great knowledge. I practiced it to the point that it became just something that I embody, right. Which is what, what you teach. So like, don't give up on something, especially something as crucial as awareness and nervous system work when all you have is what you read on Instagram or what you read in a book or what you hear on a podcast. Like if it, if what we're saying for some reason doesn't make sense to you, it doesn't mean that it's not for you. It just means that you don't have the embodied understanding that we have, but you can. Yes. Right. You can. Yeah. Um, I even think about my professors in like dance therapy, grad school. It's like, they would say these things and I would hear it conceptually, but I hadn't yet mastered it and embodied it. And yes. they'd always say, trust the process, trust the process, just keep showing up, keep practicing. It's going to drop in. Yeah. And I'd be like, oh, is it though? And then the next thing I know, I don't even realize. Right. Oh my God, it's dropped in. Yeah. I get like, click, 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 click. Yeah. It's here. Yeah. And I bet for you, a lot of that was actually a gentle process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that that's a misconception that a lot of people have is that this work is like, it's like a rough road and like you're getting thrown all over the place with emotions and feelings and sensations and discomfort and triggers and like all of that. And yeah, maybe there is some of that, but what if it was easy? Yeah. (laughs) Right. Like what if you surrendered to it? What if you surrendered to your body? Right. What if you surrendered to just slowing down? Mm -hmm. What if you surrendered to feeling? You know, like, um, like I have a client who has been really stuck and I finally asked them, I'm like, what are you avoiding feeling? Cause there was so much resistance. And I was finally like, what are you avoiding feeling? And they said everything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, like I honor your choice. If you need to avoid feeling everything, I honor your choice. Um, And this person was like trying to decide if they wanted to keep working with me or not. So, um, we were kind of at the end of a container and I was like, I honor your choice, but like, if you want to stay in this avoidance, I I'm not the coach for you because I don't help people continue to avoid feeling like I'm, I help you like feel safe to feel and know that you'll, you're going to be okay. Um, and, and I think that there are some people that like, maybe they don't get that in this life, you know? And that, that can be okay. Like they're going to have another chance, you know, Um, if you believe in reincarnation, which I do. So, and then I think the other thing I was thinking about, I was thinking about this the other day, I was journaling about it, about like when we move differently, meaning I, I am now embodying all this intellectual understanding that I have, like 
it requires changes at a cellular level to be able to move differently, right? To be able, like, like if you have experienced improvements in like chronic health symptoms because of nervous system work, which literally all of my clients have, and I'm sure yours have too. If you experience those things because you've done nervous system work, then that is proof that your nervous system work is literally changing you at a cellular level. It is changing yep. your tissues, right? Something that was in your body before no longer needs to be in your body or something that you feel because it doesn't serve a purpose anymore, right? right? The purpose it served was to bring you back to yourself. It was your body going, Hey, just a little reminder. I'd like for you to feel how yeah. a lot of feelings going on, you know? And so, um, yeah, it's just, this, it's like a beautiful, beautiful process when, whenever that begins to unfold and you're so right. Like if you trust the process and you keep showing up, it eventually it drops in and then, it, and then they have that light bulb moment where they're like, Oh, I yeah. get it. <laughs> right. And I fucking love when that light bulb moment happens and I still get tingles all over whenever it happens oh, for yeah. myself and for my clients. <laughs> oh yeah. And like you said, it takes time even for those light bulb moments to drop in like all the the awareness of like where my anxiety came from like the religious trauma that didn't all drop in at once or even no. in a couple of weeks or even no. in a couple of months that like i got little nuggets sprinkled out over the years because yeah. i don't think i could have handled no all of those like holy shit this is where this came from like i don't think i could have handled that all at once that would have like knocked me off my feet yeah. And so also just trust that when we say trust the process, it's not like trust that in two weeks, it'll yeah. all make sense. Like I guarantee like, no, it, this is, um, this is a, you're in it for a long, for the long haul. Like it's not, I'm going to give it two weeks. And if I don't get it yet, then yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, do you experience, um, I don't experience this so much anymore, but I used to a couple of years ago, um, when my window of tolerance was a lot smaller and I was still at that point, like unable to have a, a bout of insomnia without like panicking, um, not necessarily panic attacks, but just like a lot of hypervigilance and trying to figure it out and overthinking about it and all of that. Um, and I remember being like, God. I should be over this by now. Like, mm -hmm. oh, still, I'm still doing this. Oh, what's wrong with me? Um, because I think still I had some unconscious belief that like I would get to a point where like it wouldn't be necessary anymore, you know, or like, like I would reach some level of healing where like things like that just wouldn't affect me anymore or whatever. And um, now I've basically just like surrendered that like, no, this is my path. And like, I just accept that I'll be doing this for the rest of my life. And it doesn't feel annoying anymore. And it doesn't feel like I'm failing or like I'm missing something or behind or whatever. It's like, I am honored to do this for the rest of my life. Like I am honored to meet myself in this way for the rest of my life. I am honored to, to relieve my body and my nervous system of the burdens that it carries. You know, like it's an honor. It's sacred work. It's not something that I want to have an end or that I want to be over at some point. So I can just go live my life. Like I am living my life. <laughs> I am living my best life possible 
because of this, because I do it every day, right? Not because I've reached some magical point. Is that, is it kind of how that is for you? Yes. And that's how you know when it's rooted in love and not shame. Yeah. Because it's about, I get to be in loving relationship with all aspects of myself for the rest of my life. And I don't want to leave that relationship mm-hmm. instead of when our healing is rooted in shame. It's, oh, why are you still like this? Yeah. You know, but for your healing to be rooted in love, it's like, oh my God, I wonder what else I'm going to discover about myself. I wonder all the many ways I'm going to meet myself over the years. Mm-hmm. I wonder how I'm going to continue to sit with my grief. I wonder how I'm going to love myself in the moments where I have insomnia, right? It's the healing is rooted in love at that point. Yeah, it absolutely is. It totally is. And I would far rather a person get to that point and be like, you know, honest about the work that they still have to do, but also not afraid of it. Yeah. And there's so much fear about doing some of this work and understandably. So like, I'm so compassionate for people who have fear and, and for even that client, that's like, I'm just avoiding feeling everything like, Oh, my heart breaks. And I have so much compassion because I was there too once. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, we can't, I trust everyone's timing of when they're ready and when their body's ready. Yep. It's always perfect. Yeah. And I also trust that like, it may not happen while they work with me. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. may have, like, I may have laid some sort of foundation for them and then they find someone else and what they needed happens then. Right. Yep. But they, they couldn't have done it if they hadn't had the nervous system work first. So, right. um, and, and that's the same thing that, um, the woman who did the relationship intensive for David and I, like, um, she, she said like, my nervous system is a lot more sensitive than my husband's. Um, and so, And it may may always be that way. Right. Like, um, and I'm okay with that. I accept that. I accept that I am more sensitive in that way. And that more things are outside my window of tolerance. I get that. Um, but this woman that we were working with was like, you know, um, Lindsay, your nervous system is going to be like the barometer for this process. So like, even if David and I are okay with what's going on, if, if your nervous system is not cool with it, we're not going any further because your nervous system is like the tender one. Yeah. Um, and I really, really respected that. Right. And I, and I felt respected and honored that there wasn't going to be pushing beyond right to blow me out. And then at the end of it, I, I understood like after the week was over, I understood. And I was like, now I understand why my nervous system was the barometer. And also if I hadn't done the nervous system work I had done, I couldn't have even come and participated in something like this Mm -hmm. because if without any of that nervous system work, all of this would have been outside my window of tolerance. Like, and so like, I guess, I guess that's my encouragement to people listening is like, if you do have deeper work that you want to do, or even if you just have a really big dream, right. If you have a dream of starting your own business or like quitting your job and being a digital nomad and traveling the world, like whatever your big dream is, like it is highly likely. I could almost guarantee that some nervous system work is going to be required for you to get there. Mm -hmm. And that if you're not doing that nervous system work and the dream that you have isn't happening, it's probably because your body is wise. The universe is also wise and that dream is too much for you in your current nervous system capacity. 
Mm-hmm. And so if it's not happening, it's not because you're a failure or because you know, you don't need to be full of shame about it, but like see what happens when you widen your body's capacity for expansion, right? Yeah. When you widen your body's capacity for change and and then see, right? Then determine if it's still a fuck yes for you. Um, because it may just be that your nervous system doesn't have the capacity to hold that experience yet. Oh yeah. I I know what I'm doing in my business right now. Like two years ago, my nervous system would not have been able to hold this, you know? Same. But that like, that doesn't mean I was a failure then. And I'm a success now. It means that my own ability to hold is matched by my, like, or my ability to expand is matched by my ability of what I can hold. So if I like have a dream or feel called to expand more, then it's not like I need to write down on paper and like come up with a business plan and marketing ideas to figure out how to make that expansion happen. It means I need to go inward with my own body and figure out where does this expansion need to happen? Because then it will be mirrored in the outside world, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I did a lot of somatic work last year. About, around like more visibility in my business, mm-hmm. more income, more clients, because I kept contracting around it. Yeah. Right? So you get to a certain level and hit a ceiling, right? Yeah. And like your body just couldn't hold that yet. Yeah. But you created the space and now you can hold it. Yeah. And I know that the next level of my dream or my business, I'm going to have to expand some more. I'm going to yeah. have to build more compa- capacity. And like you said, there, there's an excitement about that instead of a, oh, I can't believe I'm not there yet. It's like yeah. the next, you know, level in my life is going to be an opportunity for me to meet an edge and love myself deeper and expand more of what I can hold and expand more capacity to hold discomfort and to hold pleasure and to hold all the things. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I can't wait to see what happens for you. <laughs> Girl, you too. You are like <laughs> on fire. <laughs> oh my gosh. It means so much to me that you say that. I look up to you so much. Uh, I really do. <laughs> bless you. You're like my woman entrepreneur crush. <laughs> I'm twirling my hair right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And see, I have the nervous system capacity to say something like that and not feel immense shame. Right. Right. We can admit our girl crushes to each other. Oh, again. Yeah. Um, Speaking of stuff, business stuff, I'm going to be releasing this podcast episode the week that we're going to be doing our workshop together. I was literally going to ask you, so do we need to talk about the good girl for a minute? <laughs> we we don't need to go into all of it, Yeah. but Lindsay and I are running a, actually a half day immersion. Yeah. Come spend a half a day with us. Called unlearning the good girl, Mm -hmm. right? If you feel like you're constantly judging yourself, putting yourself into categories of good or bad, pathologizing your emotions constantly, like living in shame or just like criticizing yourself and you believe that you're disappointing people, fear of not pleasing everyone, fear of being seen as too much. Yeah, this this uh, experience is for you. It's happening. Uh, let me see. March twenty fourth. March twenty fourth. March twenty fourth. Um, so I will post a link in the show notes. Um, and for those who 
are going to be listening to this after that that event happens. Yeah. I'll also post a, a waitlist link because we ran this for the first time last September. Yeah. Six September 2022. And we love it so much. So I don't we're we're gonna run it again, probably. We just don't know when. Yeah. Uh, but so. also, should we tell them that should we tell them what we're gonna do after this workshop for in April? Oh, sure. Giving away all the secrets. Yeah. Yeah. So we we're gonna run a group for for a month. Every yeah. week for a month. We're gonna meet with you, former good girls, and unpack more shame and more nervous system shit and help you like that knowledge go from intellectual to embodied, right? Mm-hmm. Goes from head to body. So um, I'm really fucking excited about that actually, dude. I'm oh, so God. fired up about groups right now. I can't even. Groups are the best. I ran like a two hour group the other day and I was like on cloud nine after yeah. and I was just like, I have the best job in the world. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. I'm literally like, because of my group stuff, pivoting my entire business to do like more groups and less one-on-one stuff because it's so powerful and it fills me up. Like it nourishes me to be in a group more than it does with like a one-on-one person. I just feel something about the collective energy and how everyone is there, like holding the space all together and yeah, everyone brings in like a unique energy into the space and there's so much like empathy and co-regulation and love and mirroring and yes, yes. all the things. I love it so much. I can't wait so, to gather with a big bunch of good girls. and Yeah. And this, you know, just to specify this um, group that we're going to be running in April is for those who have done the good girl on learning the good Correct. girl workshop. Yeah. Whether you did it in September with us last year or um, you do it with us this time, um, this is kind of like the first step. And then the group is just going deeper and processing more. Yeah. Yeah. The half day immersion is like the prerequisite. And then you can come participate in the group. Yeah. It's the initiation. (laughs) Yeah. It's the initiation. If you can make Uh, it through that half day immersion, you can make through anything. (laughs) Yeah. The the hazing process. (laughs) love that. <laughs> We're super excited. We're super excited to teach it again. This is actually going to be our third time teaching it because we were hired to teach it privately yeah. for another program. Um, and it, every time we teach back. it, yeah. Yeah. Every time we teach it, people are like, that blew my mind. There's, there's yeah. tears. There's, didn't you say someone DM'd you and said that was the most important four hours of my life? Yes. Yeah. I literally had someone DM and say, I, we just got off the call and I just want you to know that was the most important four hours of my life. And of course I was like bawling. Um, but it really is, it is so powerful. And I'm actually reading a book right now called woman's inhumanity to woman. And, um, it's so fucking interesting because I have observed this in my own life. I'm sure you have, and other women have as well. But the way that women, uh, like female and female aggression, and sometimes like, it's not like violence, like male aggression is, it's more like passive aggressive, like competitiveness and comparison and cattiness and, you know, like 
dyads and triads of girls who like split off into their own like friendship and group and exclude everyone else. And like, it's, it's so fascinating. And she talks about it like cross-culturally and, um, and what I realized as I was reading this book is I was like this, this good girl immersion and the group that we'll run after is like such a way to start deconditioning ourselves from that, like female, female aggression. Right. Because then you're not, you're not, uh, threatened by other women anymore. Mm-hmm. And, um, I have a moon circle that meets it, um, every month on the full moon and I hosted it this month. And there was a woman who was like starting to get kind of antsy and like fidgety or whatever. And she was finally like, yeah, my, my restless legs are just like, like really bothering me. I really, I would be better though, if I just like got on the floor and did some yoga stretches and yoga poses and the sort, we were all sitting on the floor and in the middle of the circle where we're like, you know, Oracle cards and crystals and chocolate and like stuff for our moon circle. And we're all like, Oh, okay. And we just all started moving all the things out of the way and like gave her the space to like do her thing. And I started crying and I was like, what would it be like if in groups of women, if somebody's like, I need this, or I want to share that if every woman in that group is like, like backs up and is like, here's some space. Yes. Take Take up up space. space. (laughs) Like we want to meet this for you. You need some space to do some stretches for your legs. Fuck. Yeah. You're not too much like here. Right. Like it's just so powerful. And I feel like that's how we're going to deprogram from, from that competitiveness and like the threat when, when other women take up space and we're not taking up space, like it's just so powerful. The more that I'm in groups of women, the more I'm like, I need to be in groups of women more. Oh, I love women. We're just fucking unlearning all this societal conditioning. Um, that -hmm. for a lot of us, like goes back to like elementary school, right? Like, Oh yeah. When I was in middle school, I was catty as hell. And I had like my click and then we made fun of other girls and like middle school behavior, you know, yeah. but a lot of adult women on the internet. Oh, yeah. I see it on Instagram that, every fucking day. Yeah. A bunch of like middle schoolers in 35 year old bodies. Yeah. You know, yeah. Doing this shit. It's super attractive. <laughs> uh, yeah. We're, we're getting there. We're getting there. We are. We are. Oh. Uh, this was such a juicy conversation. We went so fun. We went all we over went to all the places. We went. <laughs> We went through a whole magical forest. We went on an adventure together. We, we explored so much. And yeah. I told you I had a crush on you. Like, I mean, things got. What really is serious. this? What is this day? What is we this? talked about being kinky and, you know, liking getting off on our trauma process. <laughs> <laughs> things got weird. Things got beautiful. Things but, got all of it. Yeah. And I love that, like, no matter how weird I am, you're just like, here, here's some space. Yeah. Take up some space, Lindsay. What do you have you to want, say? I'm here. You want to be weird? Yeah. I'm going to be weird, weird with you. Love it. Thank you. Let's be weird together. Let's Let. make space for the weird. Fuck yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, I'm so excited for our workshop, Happy Immersion. I'm so excited to have finally had you on the podcast. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your expertise and yeah, just having this fantastic conversation. I'm honored. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everyone. 
Um, if you want to know more about Lindsay, I'm going to post um, her podcast title, which does not include the her, her podcast, her Instagram. Um, you can find her there. And I'll also post the link to the good girl Perfect. information. So amazing. See you all at the good girl workshop. Hopefully not all yeah, of you. You better whoever's, be there. Whoever's interested. I hope to see you there. <laughs> And I can't wait to talk to you next time.